Hi, I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women and author of the Amazon bestseller, You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich. And this is The Wallet. The Wallet is here to help you make better financial decisions by talking honestly about money. I'll be sharing my best tips, inspiring you to take charge of your financial futures and talking to an array of awesome guests from all walks of life, employees, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and money experts. Adrian Herbert is the creator and host of the inspiring podcast, Power Hour, encouraging listeners to reclaim an hour a day to focus on their goals. As well as being a motivational speaker, personal trainer, a mom, and in her own words, a professional encourager, Adrian can now add author to that list. Her first book, Power Hour, How to Focus on Your Goals and Create a Life You Love, is packed with actionable steps that can help you build powerful habits to move you closer to achieving your goals. In this episode, Adrienne shares with me the journey that has led her to become the face of the wellness industry, how she finds motivation and positivity, and the challenges and fears she has overcome to now help others follow their passions. Adrienne also shares her own money story, what the value of money means to her, and how she extends her mindset for growth and optimism to her finances. Adrienne's energy is infectious, so we can all kick off 2021 with some positivity. I also wanted to let you know that we are not financial advisors. So the articles, the information made available on Vespot.com and in this podcast are provided just for educational purposes and do not constitute financial advice. So make sure you consult with an independent financial advisor for advice on your specific circumstances. Thank you. Hi, Adrienne. Hi. Hi, Emily. Thank you for having me. No, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, very well. I've had a busy morning, but, um, you know, that's how I like it. Yeah, no, exactly. I really wanted to have you on the wallet because... I mean, I've been listening to your podcast, The Power Hour, for a few, maybe years now, <laughs> and I've been really enjoying it. And now you've published me your first book, it's also called like Power Hour. And what I love is your energy. And, you know, it's seeing you like on Instagram every day. And now you even wear like, you know, yellow jumper. So, you know, it's like, I think bring us some joy in 2020. And we're going to be publishing this episode at the beginning of 2021. So, you know, let's start with positive energy. Can you maybe tell me where, you know, where you come from and maybe your, your story that led you to, of course, publishing the book, but more like, you know, what, what you're doing today? Yeah, sure. I guess. Oh, whenever someone asks you to share your story, you kind of think, wow, how long How long have you got? Because it could be a three-hour <laughs> episode. But I think, firstly, thank you for saying, you know, that about my, you know, me sharing positive energy and, and joy, especially this year, because it's been so challenging for us all. And I think really if I, you know, if I go back and I think and reflect on my story, it's certainly not the case that, you know, everything's always great. And I think sometimes people think, well, that must be why you're so positive and happy because, you know, everything must be great if we're so happy all the time. But the reality is it's probably born out of maybe the opposite of that. You know, I think we all have adversity in our lives, some more than others. And I certainly have had my fair share. So I think my positivity is often born out of just overcoming, but also looking forwards and always thinking, well, 
always knowing that you can create change and that you can create better for the future. So I guess in a, in a short version, you know, I grew up with a single parent household, single mom, there's four of us at home and, you know, kind of got on okay at school, but I wasn't, you know, top of the class, but I loved, I loved the social aspect of school and I, I'd got involved in so many different clubs and teams and things like that. And I actually did a lot of sports and a lot of dance. And then I auditioned for a dance school, um, a performing arts school. And so that's how I ended up moving from Leeds to, to London to go to train at a dance school. And then after graduating from there, I went to perform. So I was a performer in musicals. So I was a dancer, which I think some people know about me, but maybe <laughs> that's new information for some people. But yeah, I was in a musical in the West End called We Will Rock You, which is the Queen musical. And yeah, I guess I was at that point, I think, you know, really enjoying just being young and being a professional dancer, living in, in the city like London and for the first time and just really enjoying that. And I got married and I got pregnant with my son. So it was really just all happening, <laughs> very busy. But my husband became unwell very suddenly, actually. And I had to leave the show and um, he had to, he wasn't able to work. So, so I was, I was at home and whilst I was pregnant, I guess, yeah, life really just changed for us both. It really changed very quickly and it was kind of just the rug pulled from underneath you and you kind of think well what do I do now I didn't I didn't ever think you know you don't plan for that you know he had a, a brain hemorrhage so wow. yeah so so whilst I was pregnant as I said I was at home with him and he was um as a result of the hemorrhage he actually developed epilepsy so he was having epileptic uh, seizures and we were visiting hospital clinic quite often and then my son was born, which was definitely the joy and light that we needed at the time. And from there, I thought, OK, you know, I'm going to retrain. I've always worked. I've just always worked. And as I said, with a single um, mother, you know, I always saw her work. So it wasn't really a thought for me to not work. Uh, so I kind of just thought, well, what am I going to do next? And I've always loved being active in sport, as I said. So it kind of felt like a natural thing for me to explore. And that's what I did. I retrained to become a personal trainer at the time. And then I started a group fitness uh, class, a group fitness boot camp. And I went out with, you know, back in the day, I went out with leaflets and tried to get people to come. And it was really that kind of old school, you know, come to my workout, my boot camp classes. And that's how really I started, you know, really just started small and then I started sharing things online, just again, started small with a Facebook group and with a blog and wanting to encourage women, whether they'd had children or not, actually, whether they were new mothers or not, to be more active and to take some time for themselves to say, right, you know, focus on yourself just for one hour. Because a lot of the women that I was meeting at the time, a lot of the new mums, they were saying, oh, I don't have any time for myself now. I've had a baby, you know, and, and you know, you know that. And I know. <laughs> you know that. So that's so, why I need your, your podcast and your book. <laughs> exactly. So I really wanted to encourage those women to say, you know what, if you want to take an hour to do a personal training session, or if you want to start I don't know, running or going to Pilates, you know, that's, that's really important that you do that and that you take that time. So that's kind of where it started. But from then to now, oh my goodness, you know, I, I couldn't have even imagined back then all the things that I get to do now. It's just been an incredible journey from, as I said, starting to work as a trainer to thinking, okay, how can I share my voice and encourage more people, whether that was on the blog or on social media to starting to work and with different publications and different brands. And it's never been an overnight switch that just went, oh, now, but it's always been these incremental, you know, new opportunities 
meeting new people, working hard and saying, I can do this, you know, following up with people, reaching out, continuing, continuing, continuing. And over time, you know, those those 1% increase, you know, it all adds up. So I think now often when I get asked to do things or I get introduced in a quick snapshot, you know, someone gives a 30 second and they'll say, oh, she's an international TEDx speaker and she's a marathon runner and she's a podcast host and she's an author and she's all of these things. And people go, wow, you've done so much. And, and sometimes people just see that little snapshot and they think that it's quick they think that you just popped up and just did all these things when actually when I say to people that my son is nine and a half really I've been doing this for nine years so nine years it's taken to yeah to get to the stage where now yeah I have the podcast which is amazing and I love it and I'm so so grateful I get to interview Olympic athletes, you know, business founders, best-selling authors, doctors, nutrition, all these people. I get to sit with them and have these amazing conversations. You know, I get to travel the world with jobs that I do and run in races and work with brands. I get to, you know, I've just written my first book. And yeah, it does seem now like so many wonderful opportunities, but it hasn't happened overnight. You know, nine years is just a long time. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you're, you're you know, sports women. So it's like, yeah, it's like training like every day. And, you know, what's, you know, for, for a marathon or whatever. So I used to play a lot of sports. And so I was playing hockey for the French team. So for me, same, it was, you know, training, training, training. But I loved how you sort of reinvented yourself. I guess you didn't necessarily have a big plan when you started uh, this big plan of building the, the platform you've built. And we're going to talk about also your journey, maybe with your finances, because I think that's quite interesting when you know, you're a business owner, you're a freelancer and, and you're building your personal brand and your business is also so linked to your to your personal brand. Mm. And we'll also talk about, you know, the power of mindset and, and purpose. So Maybe if we just start with, you know, the book, because I think that's, you know, where you are today in your, in your journey. I'm sure it wasn't easy to publish and write actually during during lockdown and, you know, 2020. But what inspired you to actually start maybe the podcast and then uh, write this book? I guess so the podcast came first. And as you said, it's just celebrated a two year anniversary. So the podcast was, you know, all around how can I sit down with people and find out what actually motivates them to get up out of bed every single day? You know, people say to me, oh, how do you stay motivated to yeah, train for the marathon or to do all these things? You're so motivational. And I kind of feel like sometimes motivation is this word that people just, they want to have this elusive magic thing that's motivation. So Give it to I me. Thought, <laughs> exactly, right? It's like, where can we get more? Where's the magic? Um, yeah, and I thought, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but I can definitely do my best to find out from all these people what gets them out of bed in the morning. You know, whatever you perceive to be success, however that's defined, often the people that I speak to, they have done incredible things. They have achieved a lot. And so it's really great to, yeah, to find out on the show, I wanted to have those conversations. I wanted to say, What's it really take? You know, how do you approach failure? How do you approach risk taking? How did you get that book deal? How did you create that? And actually ask the question so that people could apply it to their own lives. Because whatever your goal is, personal, professional, the same, some of the same principles apply. So that's what I kind of learned over the course of doing the show. And the reason I wanted to share the book was kind of two reasons. One is because I just think the way the world is, is now with a lot of the media that we consume, it's very short and it's very soundbite and it's very top line. Whereas I think the reason I love books and, and what I hope to do in this book is to give the whole picture. You can go much deeper. You can get the long form, the full story, the full facts, all of it. So I really wanted to have 
yeah, I guess a longer, a longer version. And also I think with the show where, where I said I've had over a hundred interviews now, and I feel like I've been able to siphon, you know, so much the best bits, the wisdom, the, the lessons learned. And I thought to put that all in one place, you know, to answer some of the questions that I get asked the most around Adrian, how did you get that person on your podcast? How did you build the relationship with them? Or how did you build your network? There's a whole chapter about people and network. People will ask me, how do you, you know, what's your philosophy around training how much do you need to rest how much so there's a whole chapter around movement there's a chapter around mindset so the questions that I get asked the most I felt like a I could just put it all in there and answer all the questions but more importantly I could just pull in wisdom from all these experts to back up these different philosophies to give examples because there's not one size fits all no one can give you a tool guide and say this will work for you that's not what the book is about, but I actually hope that through all of the different people that I reference and who I've talked to, that there will be something in there that is actionable for anyone and everyone, that you'll take something maybe that you think, oh, actually, that person's story really relates to me, or that person's perspective and, and approach really speaks to me. So that there's all these different things in there that hopefully you can take away. And motivation isn't enough. Feeling motivated is not going to change your life. But the actionable steps, the, the tools, the things you can do, I believe will. So get the motivation, get the feeling, but then take action and get to work. Yeah, no, for me, it was really good to read it because I'm like, oh, thanks God. She did a summary of like, you know, all this podcast episode. And I have, you know, I can keep this book. I can go back to like any chapter whenever I want. And what I like is you also, I did a lot of research from like other books you've read. A few that I also read in the past. And I was like, oh, that's a nice validation. Like, you know, there's these things actually work. And Adrienne, you know, tested them for, for herself. You actually, you know, the first one to try your power hour you do do you do your power hour every day and you talk in the book about doing it you know the first hour of your day mm -hmm. that's really hard for me <laughs> but it it actually makes sense so why you know why the first hour and and how does you know your first hour looks like yes so the first hour of the day that's my power hour and it's essentially about reclaiming some of your time before the rest of the world needs your time, energy, and attention. So it's not the idea that, oh, you have to get up earlier and just do more, 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 you know, be more productive or create more things. It's actually kind of the opposite. It's saying that we are busy. Uh, the world demands us our time and attention to be on demand, you know, when other people expect you to be available, you know? So I say, if you can start the first hour free from distraction, free from other people's requests, you own that time, take it back. Reclaim means to take back something that was previously yours that was lost or stolen. Your time is yours to own. So the first hour, I think, you know, be intentional, do something, anything that you choose. I'm not prescriptive. I don't say you must do this and this is the perfect morning routine. I think having an hour that's intentional and focused, for me, it's like the first domino to fall, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. And if, for example, you're a shift worker or you are the ultimate night owl and you're thinking, I just, I don't want to be up early, then this is a question I'm getting a lot now, especially with the book coming out. Well, can I use the principles of the power hour to create an hour of time later on in the day? And what I'd say is the solitude that you can create in the morning, I think is harder to, to achieve later in the day when emails are coming in, kids are awake, WhatsApp, stuff like that. But the principles remain the same. So yes, if you can create an hour where you focus on something that's going to take you towards a goal, whether that's personal, professional, physical, whatever, then yes, apply the same principles, but just 
be intentional, reclaim some of your time because you can't give what you don't have. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And for me, sometimes it's, it, I find it quite hard to do it on the morning because, you know, maybe my, my kids wake up super early and I'm like, ah, oh. uh, so I, I tend to do it in the evening. So not too late, maybe before 10 p.m., but same, like I feel it's, you know, really quiet, phone, you know, phone off, internet, uh, like no email. So again, applying the same principles and, and I think it, it can also work. I love that you, you know, you talk about mindset from Carol Dweck also in your book and the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. This was such a game changer for me when I read the book a few a few years ago, I think my, my son's school uh, recommended it. I mean, is this something that's, you know, been life-changing for you also? Or how do you approach this like growth mindset? Absolutely. I remember reading that book myself quite a long time ago. And I remember, you know, you think about yourself when you're reading what she says. And for anyone listening who, who hasn't heard of Carol Dweck, uh, her seminal book, Mindset, she talks about this idea of, yeah, fixed mindset being that you believe that what it's possible for you and your skills and you, you know, your case kind of defined by what you were given, you know, when you were born, your genetics, your DNA. So you're either good at it or you're not. And, and you just kind of have to just play the, the cards that you were dealt. Whereas if you have a growth mindset, then you believe that you can always improve, always learn, you can optimize, you can acquire new skills and that these traits and these things, you know, environment impacts us, but it's not, it's not fixed. It's not set. We can always, we can always change and learn and evolve. And when it comes to the brain and the way the brain functions, we've learned actually that our brains are something called neuroplasticity means that our brains can constantly learn new pathways, which can impact our behaviors, our habits, all of that. So yeah, it affects everything. I think mindset underpins everything in our lives from the language that we use to the relationships that we build to the work that we create it really does underpin it all so if you can create a mindset for optimism for for growth if you can look for opportunities ways to reach out ways to connect with others if you can look at ways to learn and apply to your life so for example we will all have barriers in our lives we'll all have perceived barriers things that people will say to us oh well I'm a woman, so, you know, gender pay gap, or, oh, I'm a woman of color, I'm a black woman, so this is going to be bad for me, or, oh, I don't have a degree, or I'm from a single low-income household, all of these perceived barriers. And it's not to say that your circumstances don't exist, they do, your circumstances are real. But what I say about the mindset piece is that what are you going to do about it? Are you going to allow those circumstances to dictate your entire life and to keep you and remain in one place? Or do you believe that you can create better for yourself, for your future, for your life? Do you believe that you can learn new skills, earn more money, you know, do new things, meet new people? And how can you apply all these different things to your life and creating a life that you really want to live and creating the person that you really want to be? So yeah, mindset, I'm big on it. I am big on it. It's, it's something that I just wish sometimes I could just... I wish I could give it to everyone, you know? No, I, I agree with you. I think it makes such a big difference. And also, I mean, we talk a lot about it in terms of, you know, money management and, and being in a position where you say, you know, I can do it. I can save money. I can invest money. Like I think like super positive uh, affirmation and a positive money story. What do you think about fear? Because, you know, we can be fearful about, you know, change, about earning more, about, you know, changing job, fear of success also sometimes. So how do you overcome the fear of, of failure also? Yes, great question. And interesting that you say about fear of success, because I don't think many people would, would consider fear of success. They think, well, who's going to fear that? You know, it's what apparently it's what we're all striving for. But in reality, I think fear is 
something that is innate you know it's, it's something we all experience and it's not something that we should try to eliminate or to just ignore you know I, I interviewed a mind coach Natalie Pennicoat Collier on my podcast and she works with Formula One drivers, you know, Paralympians, all these people. And often fear is something that she she works with. She does hypnotherapy and people ask her, you know, is it possible to just, you know, for people to be fearless? And actually, it's not something that is possible, but also that we should want because fear serves a purpose, just like everything else. There's a purpose and it's teaching us something. So I think when it comes to fear, I think it's really important to explore what is the fear And as you said, it might not be what you think. So you might think, well, I'm afraid to do this because it means I have to change all of these things. And what if it doesn't work out? And what if that? And what if that? And there's all these what ifs, all these unknowns. And I think unknowns is is really hard for us. You know, we like certainty. We like routine. We like to know what's coming. Even children, you know, if if you have young children, you'll know they like to have routine because they can predict what's coming. So fear of the unknown is what I ask people to challenge because Coming back to the idea of mindset and optimism, if what you're afraid of is what if, what if, what if, how about you flip it around and think two things. One, what you're afraid of has already happened. So you're reliving, oh, well, last time I tried that, I didn't, it didn't work out. Or last time I tried that, I failed. What you're afraid of has already happened and you survived. So that's proof that you could do it again. But secondly, what if the life that is ahead, you can't even imagine how good it is or what that job could look like or who that person is you could meet or marry or how much money you could earn. You can't even imagine. It's better than you could even imagine. What if that's the truth? So when it comes to fear, it's not, I don't think it's easy to say to people, oh, you know, forget about it. You know, just do it anyway. Feel the fear. I think fear is real and it serves a purpose, but explore what is the fear? What is it? Is it something that's happened before and you're afraid of it happening again? Is it something that maybe it's a fear of others, you know, other people's judgment, other people's criticism. What is this person going to say? What is that person going to think? That is the fear that I really believe holds people back. That is almost the biggest shame because our fear of others and our fear of others judgment, it does not matter ultimately because it is your life. You know, I have to live my life, no one else. So if your fear and you, when you question it and evaluate it, if your fear comes from other people's expectations of you, then really try to work to move past that and to say your life is yours to live and fearing others you're never going to please everyone so yeah don't let that be the fear that holds you back yeah I I agree with you I think that's something I had before maybe building Vespot and I was like you know I'm going to be the one talking about money what are going to people think but I didn't realize that was the the fear of you know judgment and opinion and I think overcoming this is, is really hard but actually it's such a big opportunity and it opens like so many doors but do you think you know, one way to overcome fears and why we should experience fears and, and you know, get better results is also because we all need a purpose uh, and, you know, we need to find, you know, what's what's our purpose. So how can we, you know, clearly define our vision for life and, and how do you do it actually? Mm, yes. Oh, another great question. So purpose is a big one. You know, again, there's a chapter in the book and I say, how do you even start? Purpose is such this huge, it can feel like that word carries so much weight. And often I think, you know, you're now as well, I see, I think the culture and media, like it just, it puts a lot of pressure on, especially young people actually to say, follow your purpose, you know, what is your why? Follow the, you know, and it's it's really overwhelming sometimes. People say to me, Adrian, I don't have a really strong, clear North Star. I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe this, maybe that. And so what I say to people is 
there's purpose and there's passions. I think we can have multiple passions. You can have passions that you enjoy. And, and what I'd say about passions is, does it evoke a feeling in you? And that feeling could be good. It could be excitement, but it could be uh, it could be a feeling of anger and in, in rage and injustice. And that's why, you know, you're passionate about it because you, you feel an emotion. So there's passions and you can have multiple passions, but I think purpose is much more, much more about not necessarily what you do or what you like or what you don't like, but more of a feeling of duty of like, this is something that I truly am called to do. And it doesn't matter how I do it. It might be in this way or that way, but ultimately some thread remains. And that's where I believe you figure out, okay, that's the purpose of what I'm doing. So for example, with myself, I talk a lot about encouragement and I often say I'm a professional encourager, which people are like, what, what does that mean? That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. It, means, it means that's my purpose is to encourage others to create a life that they love, to build whatever they want to build, to say yes to those opportunities, to not look back on their life after and say, I wish I could have. So the way I do that could be different. It could be through coaching someone to, to do their first marathon. It could be through the podcast. It could be through writing a book. It could be through standing on a stage at a corporate event and speaking to employees. The, the thread remains the same. The purpose is like, I know the purpose is always the same. And my passions and the things that I do and the way I deliver can change. So I think it's really important if you can figure out, you know, it doesn't have to be like, find your one purpose and that is all you'll do for the rest of your life. You know, experiment, try different things, find out what you don't like as well as what you do like. But then, yeah, bring it back to that. Does it evoke a feeling? Does it make you feel a certain way? Do you wake up and think about it? Do you go to bed and think about it? Could you talk to someone about it? Could you write a whole book about it? That's when I think, you know, you're like, this is something that I really care deeply about. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I think it's, you know, it's really important to start looking for something that will give you this, this extra motivation. But now when we talk about, so we talked about, you know, your platform, what you've built over the years, and to be able to follow your passion or, you know, your purpose full time, you will need to make some financial choices along the way. And money is, is quite an important part. And, and if people are not really interested in money, it, it can be quite tricky then, you know, to also make these choices. So for you, you know, what's the, you know, what's money in your life? Is it something you're maybe not passionate about, but is it something you use it as a tool or you actually want to really make money from, from your platform? Mm. Yes. Great. I think it's, I definitely would say that money is something I am intentional about for sure. And I don't feel shame or guilt around saying that, yeah, I'm intentional about, about money because I think growing up and seeing my mother without much money at all, I think that kind of taught me a lot of things. And it wasn't about the material things. It was actually about her state of mind and her ability to make choices in her life or lack of. So often I think when people demonize people that say, oh, I want to earn a lot of money and people will say, oh, how crude, like what a, what a terrible aspirational goal. You know, don't you want to do something that's purposeful and meaningful? You just want to make money. But the reality is that with money, I think comes, I'm sure you've talked about this a lot, but comes choice, comes agency, comes freedom of time. You know, time, as I always talk about on the power hour, I believe is the most valuable thing. But I can, in, in, in some ways, you could argue that creating uh, an income for yourself and for your family, it allows you to have autonomy of your time. So I'm definitely intentional about money. I think, I you know we're going to probably talk about this more, but I think as someone who is very fortunate now that I get to you know do these jobs that I love and work with all these people, and it doesn't mean if you love what you do, 
that you should do it for free. It doesn't mean that if you are passionate about something, of course, I do do work that I guess would be more classed as volunteering if it's for a charity, if it's for mentoring, but that's different. I think work is work. Let's not mix the two between, okay, I'm going to volunteer and do something in service of others because I choose that, I'm choosing that, or someone saying to you, can you do this work for free? I think those two things are very separate. And do you think your money story changed over, over the years? And do you think you understood maybe the, the value of money from early on in, in your career? So when maybe you retrained as, you know, as a coach or, you know, working in, in financial wellness, maybe did money drive any of your career decisions? So my money story definitely changed maybe later in my life, maybe late 20s. Uh, maybe because of motherhood or I don't know, but it, it didn't drive any of my decisions when I was younger, when I first started my career, especially being a dancer in the West End. I probably wouldn't choose a, a career in performing arts if you wanted, if you had a, a lot of experience around money. But I think it definitely changed. You know, I'm someone who I'm a voracious reader, a learner. I listen to podcasts. I listen to audio books. I read, I read, I read, I learn. And I think it really was, yeah, maybe like 20s where I started to think about life and, you know, the future and just thinking more around, you know, I didn't grow up with people talking about mortgages or investment or pensions or any of that. I didn't, I wasn't exposed to that. It wasn't a part of my life. It wasn't a part of the narrative, the conversation. I, I didn't have it. I know for some friends, by the time they were 18 or 19 or 20, their parents were encouraging them to get on the property ladder or invest in something or save for something. I didn't have that narrative because my mother actually never owned her own house. So for me now as a, as a homeowner with a mortgage and with, with savings, and I think it's, I think I've learned myself that I think it's important as, as a woman, as a mother to, again, to have some agency to create something for myself and say, I value this and I think it's important. And as I said, it's not about, okay, well, how much, you know, buying expensive things or having a, a certain level of income. For me, it's more about, I guess, having some control maybe in my life. And maybe, I don't know, from a, from a therapy, psychological perspective, I'm sure there's lots underneath that of, you know, wanting to control in a world that we can't, but I do believe, you know, but I do believe that's it's not for today. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Another day. So yeah, yeah I, don't, I hope that answers the question around how I um, think about money. No, of, of course. And, and thank you for talking about that. And, and I think, you know, money doesn't need to be complicated. I think, you know, it's, you know, having goals and very clear goals and working towards these goals. Can I ask you, is it difficult for you to negotiate as, you know, a freelancer, business owner, because so often money is associated to self-worth. And I know for me initially, that was something that was quite difficult to do. You know, there's personal finances, but then, you know, when work and personal finances are sort of mixing up, mm. how do you make, you know, the distinction and, and how do you yeah, negotiate for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I think negotiation is a tricky one, actually. And I think when it comes to creative work I definitely think it's there can be a lot of gray you know a brand or a client might say oh we have this budget and you and somebody might say well that's a lot of money another client or brand might expect the same work and say oh we have this budget and it's a quarter of the amount so there what do you do so I I think I'm fortunate you know I do have an agent and I think that helps in terms of yeah negotiating things like contracts and and, and fees and all of that it does help but when it comes to myself and making decisions of what I'm willing to do I guess I have some non-negotiables so I think I have some kind of as I said I do certain things for free and it's in service of others and that's fine but I think when it comes to work I have some non-negotiables around what I think is, is maybe it is worth but maybe it's just more about 
contribution and and value you know it's like this is the contribution I know this is the value I can add and this is what I believe that it's worth and that's what I'm going to charge so if it doesn't always work out it's not to say that you know there's no room ever to negotiate I think there can be but often I think yeah you have to have some non-negotiables otherwise how do you draw a line between just saying okay and then uh, another thing I'd say to people is don't just think about the, the ask of the actual work so for example if someone asks you to do something that might be a two-hour presentation or workshop or maybe a half a day or something like that how much time will it take you before in preparation how much time is taken with logistics and um, phone calls and organizing and meetings and how much time potentially is is afterwards if there's maybe editing to do or if there's, there's, there's all those things to factor in so I think consider all of that when you're thinking about how to charge and how to negotiate fees Yeah, value your time. I love when you say in the book, time is money, then procrastination is a credit card. <laughs> you can spend as much as you like today, but you'll have to pay for it eventually. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true, right? Because people ask me about procrastination, especially when it comes to time and time wasting and, oh, Adrian, I procrastinate, I don't get. And I always say exactly that. I'm like, procrastination is stealing your time and you will have to pay it back just like that credit card. So don't get don't get it twisted. Um, and that's when I talk about productivity and how to kind of overcome procrastination so that that one thing on your to-do list that keeps getting moved on to the next day, the next day, the next day, Just let's just let's just remove it. Let's just tackle it first head on and feel the freedom of knowing that it's gone. <laughs> so you don't talk specifically about um, your financial goals in the book, but can you tell me how do you also smash your, your financial goals? Do you have a little routine? So how do you create like powerful habits? Because we can create them for ourselves, for our work, you know, our fitness level. But I think you, we can also do the same thing for, for money, actually. When it comes to habits and money, what would I say? I would say that I, one thing that I, again, I said I was intentional about money is I'm intentional about my revenue being separate over different channels or different platforms or different revenue streams. So I'm not just saying, okay, put all your eggs in one basket, you know, and whether that's maybe you uh, thinking of examples that aren't just the, what, the work that I do, but maybe you're a coach and maybe you do you consult for a brand and maybe then you know what's it where's your revenue coming from and is it all dependent upon one thing because I think that's definitely been uh, something that's helped me especially if you think about the year 2020 and the start of the year when the global pandemic first hit and you know lockdown happened and a lot of businesses and individuals suffered financially but I think the thing that I held on to and so I didn't panic you know I felt like there was definitely a couple of weeks where people started to panic and say you know what if, if their jobs were changing or if 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 they weren't getting work. And I kind of thought actually having a multi-channel income is really, really important. And I think in the way, in the way that the world works now moving forward, I would encourage people to, to explore that and have multi-channel income if you can, you know, it's, it probably sounds, oh, well, how do you do that? But really, you know, go to the drawing board and think about how you could do that. And when it comes to habits around money, I'll be honest, I'm not super you know some people they know everything it's on spreadsheets they know that every month every pound every penny uh, that's not me I'm not that person at all actually I think for me it's more about valuing what I spend like do I value this and how much do I value it so I, I don't think it's necessarily about how much something costs for example for me experiences and time with others for example in restaurants around a table I value that so much that it's worth more to me than the cost Whereas other things I don't value so much and I, you know, almost resent. It's like, I don't value that. So therefore it feels expensive because for example, if, if my car needed new tires, 
and I had to pay a lot of money. I resent, I feel like I don't value that. So it's kind of, it's kind of feels like this expense that I'm like, oh, but actually if someone, if I spent a lot of money on a flight to go to a friend's wedding, I would not even think twice at the value of the flights, even though it's expensive because I just, it's the experience, it's the, the, the memory, the time. So yeah, I think looking at habits with money, it's almost like, I know I'm intentional again around, do I value this? Or am I looking at the cost and does it feel expensive? It is expensive to my time as well as just my bank account. Yeah, I think again, it's around maybe yeah, motivations and finding the things that you know you will really like and maybe spend more on these things. I wanted to ask you now this quick fire question. We always mm. ask this to our guests. So I have five questions for you. What is your top financial goal? Top financial goal is to have agency and freedom of my time. The best financial decision you ever made? To not have credit cards, no credit. And the worst financial decision? To sign up for things and then forget about them. Subscription services that you think is £10 a month, it's £8 a month. Oh, who cares? You don't even use them and you're paying for every month. Yeah, please review your subscriptions, everyone. (laughs) These are always like bad surprises. What is financial independence for you? Financial independence, similar to before, is about not having to make choices out, out of necessity, but making choices around yeah what do I value my time my experiences my family my friends being able to do that is is financial freedom for me and what are the things you spend the most money on oh I spend the most money on food restaurants eating out with friends definitely before when we could travel I probably would have said you know that with travel but this year is definitely or looking forward to what I'm looking forward to spending money on is definitely that you know ordering nice food a nice wine I will spend money on that every day. And we we have a backlog for 2020, so we can actually spend more. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Thank you so much, Adrienne. Can you, can you tell me, I mean, as a last question, what's next for you 2021? Is it a new, fresh year? You have new projects. Of course you have the book, you know, but what, what are you up to? Gosh, yes. So yeah, the book will be out now. So that's really exciting to see, you know, how it's received. Next for me, I'm actually going to be really focusing on training again. I want to train for an ultra endurance marathon, which I've never done before. Yeah. I've never done that before. So I'm always looking for ways to stretch myself and to find something really hard and really challenging because if I encourage others to say you can do hard things push yourself and I'm just not doing that how could I how could I be a hypocrite so I really want to challenge myself to take on the probably the biggest physical challenge of my entire life and other than that just like you said making making up for lost time with friends and family lots of dinners eating pasta Great. Thank you so much, Adrienne. Where can we find you? Yes. So you can find me online uh, on Instagram. It's Adrienne underscore LDN. Same on Twitter. If you search Power Hour podcast, you can find that on iTunes, Spotify. And the Power Hour book is available online and now it's in stores. Yes. (laughs) And you need it. You need this book. Adrienne, thank you so much for for your energy, for, you know, sharing your passion, purpose, your, your money tips. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Emily. And thank you so much for your kind words around the book as you know bringing out a book is you know it's you're sharing your ideas you pour so much time and energy and love into it and it's really exciting great opportunity but it's also it's also scary you know it takes courage so thank you so much firstly for reading the whole book early and then for for mm-hmm. yeah your kind words of encouragement I hope that people really enjoy reading it as much as you did I'm sure they will love it thank you so much thank you if you enjoyed this episode please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. 
Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on Vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at Vespot.com. Thank you. Speak to you soon.